Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by Pastor Stephen Sexton. If you would like to know more about the House Church, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the House app. I'm going to tell you this. Um, we're, we're excited. We're excited about today. Uh, there are a few things that I get excited about. I get excited about Dallas Cowboy football. I do. I, I know I know that there are some Saints, I mean, uh, Kansas City Chiefs in the room. I know that. But wise men follow the star. And so... Uh, um, I actually, listen, I get excited about tax return. Anybody ever get a tax return? You're like, the Lord has loves me. Come on, a little tax return. Uh, I get excited when I come home and the kids have actually cleaned up their food. Come on. Rather than just show me that they ate everything and left it out. Um, I get excited about seeing people do outreach. Come on, there was uh, roughly around 1,800 people that showed up yesterday. Come on, that's good. It's good. But today's kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. And and, and not just because you're here. I mean, it, it, it is a big deal that you're here. And so just look to someone to the left or right and say, you look good. You look good. Come on, you look good. Uh, uh, we are celebrating... A risen Savior. A risen Savior. And this is bigger than if the Hogs won the SEC championship this season. That would be, this is bigger than that. I know some of you are like, I don't believe. I don't believe. Uh, this is bigger than the Mueller report. Okay? Well, I, I'm just saying this is, this is a kind of a big deal. And, um, and we're, we're excited about what God is has done, and remembering what he did. And so my assignment today is the answer. The answer. Um, just plain and simple, I, I, the answer to our life is Jesus. It, it, it's just very, very basic. And, and so today, I want to just talk about a few things that I think will help us. Mark chapter 4, verse 37 Mark chapter 4, verse 37 says this. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already feeling. But when he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion, they woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? You know, if we're not careful, I think that sometimes when and if we do read the Bible, sometimes we can tone out and it's almost like we're being read to, but we're not really thinking about it in context. Here is what I want you to see. You may have grown up in church. You may have been to church. This may be your first experience at church. But here is what I want you to see that his disciples, the disciples were people that Jesus handpicked to walk with him and help him communicate his father's message. Jesus, the son of God, wanted, had a message to get out that God wanted the world to know. So he picks these 12 men, listen to this, and here's what, they, in a moment when it gets hard and windy and they think they're about to sink and the pressure gets real, they dare to say, don't you care? See, I, I meet so many people 
that maybe even grew up in church and they get so mad at themselves when they think, don't you care? Don't you care, God, don't, don't you care about what's going on with my family? Don't you care what's going on with my marriage? Don't you care what's going on in our finances? Don't you care what's going on with our health? And I want you to know that if you have had that thought, you are in good company because so did the disciples. Don't, don't you care? Like, don't you see what's about to happen? We're sinking. We're going down. They woke him. He rebuked the wind. And said to the sea, listen to this, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. See, I believe that one of the Jesus reasons Jesus was okay with sleeping in the boat was not because he didn't feel the effects of the elements. He just knew he was more powerful than the elements. See, here, here is two thoughts that I think Jesus understood is that the storm didn't have more power than him and that this world is not the best there is. And I think that time and time again, if we're not careful, our thoughts will, will begin to drift because just like the disciples, the wind can be ferocious. And I don't know if you've experienced those moments when the wind and the danger, and here's what I want you to see, is that in this moment, the disciples' fear and doubt and uncertainty was at an all-time high. The elements were no match for Jesus' authority. At His words, the sea obeyed. And can I tell you that Jesus is the answer, and He alone brings peace that saves. See, the, I think the, 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 the takeaway from this text is that when all feels like chaos and sinking in your life, you're looking to the one that will bring peace to the storm. And I, I think we all need peace. In fact, I think that most every decision that we make is because of peace. I have two doors up here today as we begin to talk a little bit. And... Just like the disciples, I think that we can find ourselves in situations where we feel like we're about to sink and we're struggling to find peace. See, when there is no peace, here's what happens. We're driven to accomplish because we feel like that if we accomplish enough, it will fill the void of peace. See, see it, it, what happens is when peace is disrupted, we look to other things to cope. So I look to success to cope. I look to a substance to cope. I look to something because inside, when all the music is stopped and all the people have left, I have to deal with one thing, my thoughts. And there are always something that if we're not careful, we'll be in a storm looking for something to curb the peace that we need. Here's what. A lot of times uh, we uh, get into relationships with people, and, and I don't know about you, but uh, people are, are, are people, and, and people have problems. And before you know it, the more people you get in your life, the harder it is to deal with life. Because it's like, okay, I just need to detox from everybody, because y'all people got some issues, okay? And I just can't deal with that. I got to keep my aura clean. You know what I mean? I'm, I, I just can't have all this negative energy. And I hear that like all the time, but, but the truth is, you, 
the lie will be, well, I'll get peace if I isolate. And so if I do life by myself and I hide away and I don't do anything with anybody, I'll have peace. But here's the deal. You try that, but at the end, there's still no peace. I believe everybody's looking for peace. Everybody. And, and if you've ever been around a, 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 an infant and they start crying, you're like, oh, my God. You know, like you will go to the end of the earth to get that baby to stop crying. Give them binky. Give them passy. Get the car. Start driving around the block. I don't care what we need to do, but if this child does not stop yelling or crying or something, it's going to get real up in here. You know, you, 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 you went over to your, your it's funny because we love the pictures of babies and, and we love it when we have babies and we love it when people have babies and when they start crying, we don't love it. And we're just like, please, peace, peace. I believe everybody needs peace. But here's what the difference is and I want to tell us real quick. See, the world will offer you a door and God will offer you a door. God's door is not shiny. It's, it's not luring. It almost seems plain. But the world will say, you know what? If you want peace, then here's what you need. You need riches. See, because I think that the disciples knew that Jesus was the one to go to, but in our culture, we feel like there are many ways and, and, and many roads and many opportunities to find peace. And our culture will tell you, you'll have peace, come on, when you have enough money at the end of the month and all your bills are paid. And if you'll just get enough money, then that will produce peace in your life. But the problem is, is that money doesn't produce peace it may produce a momentary um, comfort it may produce momentary security but here's the deal money never produces peace I think the next thing is right after riches is recognition and so, and so I think what happens is we tend to think that if I become somebody, if I get that corner office, come on, if I amass, if I succeed, if I grow, if I write that book, if I get out of debt, if I, if I become somebody, then all the critics that were in my life that looked at me, come on, and said I would never make it, if I can just get a little recognition, then I'll have peace. Because I'm tired of going home for family dinners and, and, and seeing everybody else win, and I'm not winning. So if I can just get a little recognition, then I'll be at peace. I think another thing that happens, <laughs> and it's kind of funny, but we think if, if, the, if the riches doesn't work and the re recognition doesn't work, then we lean on relationships. And so... There he is, there she is, and we're thinking, okay, what will bring me peace is if I'm not alone anymore. Because the worst thing to happen is when you're in the middle of the storm, and the wind is blowing, and you're seeking, and you're alone. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to find someone, because if I find someone, at least they will help me with peace. And so you meet her, or you meet him. And it's crazy because before marriage, opposites attract. And after marriage, opposites attack. And you're like, 
What happened? You made me feel so good. Come on, you were the calm to my storm. And then we got married, and oh my God. I have no peace. And in fact, everywhere I go, there seems to be more problems. And so my happy place is now the bathroom. And don't ask me why I stay longer than five minutes. I have locked the door. And so what happened is I got married because I thought that would bring peace. And then it didn't. And we had married problems. And we had to work through relationships. And then I thought, okay, the answer is children. Children will bring peace. Oh, my God. They, the children will bring so much peace to our life. And in every little bundle of joy, they will come and they will make life so much peaceful. Now, children are a blessing and a heritage, and we have four. People tell me all the time, man, you must really like kids. I'm like, no, I really like my wife. Uh, but, but we do. We, we love being a parent. We feel like that's a gift. But here's what I want to say to you. Is if you think that adding more people to your life will bring peace, it won't. Because then if the, if the wife or husband doesn't do it and the kids don't do it and all of a sudden they're cute and cuddly and then they start having their own opinions. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like you, you used to say, hey, jump, and they were like, okay. And now they get older and you're like, jump, and they're like, you crazy. Then you could like, okay, well, we need more friends. If we had more friends, we'd have more peace. And, and then you have more friends, and they have problems. And now you've got your marriage and your kids and your friends. And you're like, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I would, in fact, I like rowing by myself. <laughs> See, this door is very attractive. And it promises fulfillment. But when you open it, It leaves you with nothing. It's empty. And see, I meet so many people that are chasing something only to find out that after they get it, they're still empty. See, I thought it was the career. I thought it was the finances. I thought it was on the budget. I thought it was the people in my life that made the difference. And I'm not saying, listen, here's what I want you to understand. God is not against any of this. He just doesn't want this to have you. And so well, I'm not talking about we work hard. Well, we work hard, why? We work hard under the Lord, and then there should be increase and growth. Does that make sense? We are, are, all of the things that I'm saying are great, but when you try to get those without the Lord... It leaves you empty. It leaves you empty. Then we have this other door. John 14, verse 6 says this. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except 
through me. Jesus is the answer. Can I tell you today that Jesus is the answer? And I know that this door is shiny. And I know that it can be alluring and give you promises of grandeur. But here is what I want you to see. If you want to find your way, if you want to know the truth, and if you want to find life, there is only one way. Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. And my peace I give to you. Not that the world gives, not like the world gives, but let your hearts not be troubled and do not be afraid. It's, a, it's, it's, it's so interesting that many times Jesus was always, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. In other words, he knew that there would be moments where our peace would be robbed and we would drift. We would drift and we would drift into other things that would complete us. But really, they just leave us empty. Why did Jesus tell them? Don't be afraid. See, because Jesus knew that the biggest storm of their life was about to hit them. See, Jesus went to the cross, was crucified. A horrible death. Death, burial, and today we celebrate the resurrection of life. And here is what he taught us. See, here's the thing that I want you to see. Matthew chapter 28, verse 5 through 7 says this. And the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. For I know you seek Jesus who was crucified. What does it say? But he is not what? Come on, help me. He's not here. He is risen. Come and see. Come and see the place that he had laid. Go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. Here is what I want to say to you today. I don't know what condition and where you're at and where your soul is at. And I'm not here to judge nor condemn. But I want you to know that those who believe and those who are skeptics. Here's what I want you to know today. We are here celebrating this day in church because the early church talked about he ain't there. He's not dead. He's not dead. That was the central theme of the early church. And so now churches are meeting all across the world. Phil, why? Because we're telling the story and the story is he's not dead. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. alive. Well, I don't know if I believe that. Well, here's the deal. You're experiencing it. Because this is the thing that grew the church. This is the thing that grew the early church. This is what separates us from everyone else. The resurrection brings clarity to life's biggest questions. How should I live? How should I make decisions about work, finances, relationship, parenting, identity? The resurrection teaches us how do I treat people? The resurrection shows us why is there evil and what will God do about it? The resurrection shows us what is the meaning of life? See, here's the thing. The resurrection of Jesus shows us victory over all the forces of evil. 
That means sin, death, the enemy. Resurrection of Jesus proves that God is still actively part of his creation. In other words, I'm going to intervene. I'm going to send my son and I'm going to touch this and heal it and clean it. And so this shows us that God wants to be involved. He hasn't said it and forgot it. The resurrection of Jesus gives us a vision of overcoming hard moments. The resurrection of Jesus teaches us the power of forgiveness. The power of forgiveness. The resurrection of Jesus gives us the call to build the kingdom. See, as I begin to meet people and they begin to, to know occupationally that I'm a pastor and so they'll sit down and they'll have questions and they'll want they'll want to know about faith and they'll want to know about um, evidence and they'll want to know I mean, apologetics they just want to know why and, and I think that as a believer one of the reasons that we have to read our Bible and one, one of the reasons that we have to to know some things is because the Bible says that we should study to show ourselves approved. Here is what I want you to know. Is that I love it when the Marys come. The angel is sitting on the tomb. And the angel says, I know why you're here. He's not here. Go look. See, if we take a moment and look around the tomb, it will begin to solidify what we believe. It was vital that Mary's, the Marys walk in and actually look in the tomb because if they would have just taken the word of the angel, I mean, that's a pretty big moment. <gasps> Boof, he's not here. Okay, we're good. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know, maybe you see angels all the time. That's cool. But, um, but I would think that that would be a very, um, like, sobering moment. And if an angel was, like, just chilling on a big cave <laughs> and you walked up and the angel was like, hey, I know why you're here. He's not here. Y'all can go check if you want to. I'm like, I'm good. It's cool. It's kind of freaky. Uh, I'm good. I'm gonna just. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back home now. It's cool. And I think what has happened is we've heard some truth, and we ran out to try to tell other people, and they had questions, and we didn't know how to answer them. So it made us feel like we didn't know what we believed. Does that make sense? So we run out, tell all the disciples, Oh my gosh, it was a big angel, it was crazy, it was awesome. And he said this, well did you go look? You didn't hear about the angel? It was big, he was really big, it was a big strong angel. I mean we didn't fight or anything, but he's bigger than me. But you, you never like studied, you never looked, you never went. Did you go in and actually see? You just heard from some, some, some you just heard from somebody else that he's not there, and you were just like, okay, cool. Like, why didn't you walk in and look? See, one of the reasons we want you to step in and look is so that you can identify yourself. He ain't here. Does that make sense? We want you to identify he's not here because here's what it will do. Here's what it will do when you begin to look yourself. It will cause the way you leave. And you will leave different than someone who was told you'll leave missional. 
That's why we have to go be at the rack. That's why we have to be outside. That's why we have a culture of better outside the walls than in. Because here's the deal. There is a go and tell, not stay and sit. There's a go and tell. Jesus is the answer. Even John the Baptist, a family member of Jesus, in John chapter 1 verse 29 said this. And the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away, look at this, the sin of the world. Ben, y'all go ahead and come up here. There are two doors. There are two doors. And you know what? Your whole life, you can look for all this. And you know what? When you open it, it's going to be empty. You thought it was going to be fulfillment. You thought it was going to be that job. You thought it was going to be that, that family. You thought it was going to be all of these things. And guess what? You have now have all of these things and you realize look, there's no peace. But see, here's what God does. It's a simple door. It's narrow. It's not, but there's, there's, no, there's no flamboyance. But here's what happened. God sent Jesus to come in to give his life as a ransom for sin to pay the price for our life so that we could begin to have life. And I'm just telling you that the doorway is Jesus. And all of this stuff that you see here that looks so impressive, all of this stuff here when you come through and recognize the sacrifice that God has made, peace is on the other side. Peace be still. Peace be still. And then here's what happens. Is this stuff doesn't have you, but the Lord has you. So that when you gain the wealth, you understand what you can do with it. When you gain the res recognition, you call that experience and can't wait to give it to somebody else. See, when you get the family, does that make sense? You understand what you want to do with this and that this is God's gift to you so that you would experience Expand what he's given you. It's totally different. It's empty. Ma'am, it's empty. There's no peace. Sir, there's no peace. Teenager, there's no peace. Then there's no peace here. There's only striving and working and never becoming. But here, you are loved, you are valued. You are accepted. You are wanted. Come on, help me. And God the Father said, I have peace to give to you. When the presence of God left the earth, so did the peace. That's why Jesus is called the Prince of, come on, help me. What are you looking for? Maybe it's not another prescription. What are you looking for? Maybe it's not, you know, ordering another Bowflex. Because I'm going to get my piece of my abs on this thing. Maybe what you're looking for. Come on, can I be real for five, just five seconds? Maybe it's not the next marriage. Come on, help me. What I'm telling you is this. Everyone in this room, whether they know it or not, has needed forgiveness, 
and had to walk through this door. This door. Jesus. And that's why we get excited. Not because we're crazy, but because we're thankful. We're thankful. We're thankful. We're thankful. We honor the fact that God so loved the world, come on, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever would believe, come on, would have everlasting life. You want peace? Come on, it's not found in that door. It's found right here. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message ministered to you. Feel free to let us know on the Connect tab of the House Church app. We hope you have a great week.